Good morning, everyone. First time that I minister in Wisconsin. I'm privileged to be with you and really blessed to be with you. Amen. So at this stage, some of you realize this guy is not from the United States. He got a different accent. Amen. <laughs> um, I just love people, and we had such an awesome trip. We went down to Kentucky and then in Indiana. So uh, I had Nick and uh, Colin with me, and we had such a good time. This morning we are here, final meeting here with you guys, and I'm really excited in my heart to be with you and to meet you guys. First of all, I just wanted to say that I am so blessed to know Mark and Valerie. They come in such a special way into our lives. I met him up in Canada, and I invited him to minister in a conference with me in Indiana. I never listened to any of his sermons. I just invited him simply because of what his life reflects. I didn't need to go and listen to a sermon. Just because of how I see the love of Jesus and the grace of Jesus coming out of him and Valerie, it was not a problem for me to invite him. And he surprised us, really, with his sermon. And we were so blessed and ministered to a lot of people. We just love them. They are such a blessing to me and Kathy. I also want to honor my wife this morning. I think she's watching now from uh, Minnesota. And she's a very, very special lady in my life and part of my ministry. Unfortunately, she couldn't come on this trip because it would be too long for her to take off from work. But the Lord will bless us and the day will come that we will travel full time. Amen. Together. This is our heart's desire. Amen. Praise God. So those of you who don't know me is that I grew up in South Africa and in 1983 I came to Jesus. I was working in correctional services for seven years. Should have been locked up myself. And uh, Jesus, by His grace, saved me. And in a matter of like three, four months, 67 prisoners, I count them, came to Jesus without me saying any word. They just saw the change in my life. I could not even preach. I don't even remember a scripture. They would just come up to me, Sir, you changed. What happened to you? I said, I got Jesus. <laughs> and that was enough. I mean, we saw a lot of people coming to Jesus. And if you know me, I come out of a very rough background. My Afrikaans is also a little bit different than if you hear other South Africans. You can hear I have a little bit of a slang where I grew up in the Makwa land. It's in a semi-desert in uh, South Africa. I grew up there. So I grew up in a community where people cuss a lot. The first day that I went to school, they sent me back home because I cussed too much. <laughs> and my mother said, I don't know where this kid got this from, you know. So <laughs> I've learned it somewhere. But what is interesting is that I remember I'm just telling you these stories too, so that you can relax and uh, we can get going here. So I remember the first time I gave my testimony in a house in someone's Bible study uh, when I was like about 10 minutes into my into my sharing of my message, the lady who led it burst out in tears. And I thought, wow, my testimony is really hitting her heart. You know, this is awesome. And uh, after a while, she, she's like this. She stopped me and she says, you are ruining our Bible study. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing? She says, you use the F word more than 10 times already. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean by using the F word? And she says, that's a bad word. I said, that's not a bad word. I said, we use it every day in my job. It's like common sense to us, you know. It's an English cuss word, you know. We cuss in Afrikaans, and that's an English cuss word. I didn't even know what it really means. So, <laughs> so this is my background I came out of. And then in 1983, 
I came to Jesus and just shortly after that I had a very, very deep experience with the Lord that set me free from a lot of things. And I was a pastor and minister to planting churches. I was basically a church planter. The first church that I pastored was on a little farm that we lived. And in my barn I started a church among the laborers, which was we were only black people in that area and we ministered to the people in that area. This is where we started off and then plant churches in South Africa. But I was a very frustrated person. Something was wrong in my Christian walk. I couldn't understand it. I was basically ready to give up. And in 1994, I was introduced to Arthur Manches. I don't know if some of you ever heard of Arthur Manches. And that was the change of my life. I was introduced to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since then we preach it. And in 2001, we immigrate to Canada and North America. And I'm still preaching this message and I'm excited about it because it makes you fall in love with God all over again. Amen. You learn who the Father really is. You don't serve a God anymore. You understand He is God, but you understand He's your Father. Amen. And He loves you unconditionally. And that is so awesome. Amen. It's amazing. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It's only you and your own mind that think He left you. He will never leave you. He's always with you. Amen. So this morning, I want to speak to you and I want to encourage you with this sermon called Removing the Limitations from Your Heart, but it's actually based on Hebrews 13, 11, where I say, let your heart be established in grace. I'm going to speak about that this morning. We're going to run through the book of Hebrews, so we'll probably be here 4 o'clock this afternoon, still going. So uh, are you ready for that? I'm excited about this because how many of you know that in God is no limitations? How many of you know that the Father can do the impossible? Amen. There's nothing that is impossible for God. What you believe in your heart, we read in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11 of all the faith heroes, but the movement that we came out of before we were introduced to grace, the emphasis was strong on faith, faith, faith. And I always felt like I fall short in faith. You hear about all the faith heroes and all those kind of things. And I always had this idea of I need to get greater faith and I need to get bigger faith. And I only have little faith until I was introduced into grace. And I understand that this book in Hebrews is actually very powerful, starting off in the first verses because all of us know that faith comes by hearing are you with me so if you go into hebrews 1 and we read from verse 1 he says that god in time past spoke to the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son and that's very important because it's an introduction to a Jewish culture. This is a letter written to the Hebrews. And this is an introduction to them that now God is not speaking to them through the laws of Moses or Moses or the prophets of the old covenant or through any ritual, but the Son, who is now the exact representation of who He is, revealing the glory of God, which is so awesome. But the verse that we want to start off here this morning, it says in Hebrews 39, it says, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it's good that the heart be established by grace. Strange doctrines. He says that the heart be established by grace. So that means that if you have doctrine in your heart, then you host a stranger. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. If you have doctrine in your heart, you host 
a stranger. You basically don't know who you are. You're confused in your identity. And therefore he says it's important that the heart be established in grace. Amen. So over the years I've seen that the church, especially in the grace move, I've seen that we have come to the conclusion and the understanding that Jesus has forgiven us past, present, and future. You all agree with me on that? Your pastor preaches and he teaches that. Nobody can bring any accusation at you anymore. That's the first thing that we realize when we follow grace, when we come to the understanding of grace, that through the grace of Jesus, we have been made righteous. We have been forgiven past, present, and future. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We understand it. But yet, I see as I've moved in grace circles, I see a lot of frustration. I see a lot of annoyances. I see a lot of unfulfilled promises. And I begin to look into this, and I was looking at my own life. We go through stuff sometimes in life that we don't understand. How many of you agree with me on that? You don't understand it. It's impossible situations in the world. It's circumstances. It is trouble that come and knock on your door. Jesus said these things are real. In that time is a time that me and you really need to know who we are in Christ, that we need to understand who we are in Christ so that we can walk through these things and walk by faith and walk in the newness of life. Amen. And yet I see these things and I want to bring your attention to a verse in Hebrews 10. And we're going to read from verse 19 to 25 just to show you where we are going. How many of you agree with me that in spite of it all, all of us sitting here would love to be people that is confident. Confident in our relationship with God. Confident in ourselves and in our identity. Confident in our gifts and our talents. We all want to be there because if you are confident, I remember I was learning from a German. How many of you know that Germans is quite perfectionist in a sense? How many of you know that? You even see the stuff that they built. Some of you are maybe Germans. But I was, doing, I was learning from this German contractor to do all kinds of finishing work and stuff. And oh man, he made it so difficult for me. And I struggle, man. He made it very, very difficult because everything needs to be perfect, perfect, perfect. Nothing wrong. And I was basically ready to give up because he can be on top of you. Like Later on, you are like, okay... There's no more hope for me here. And the guy that house we work on, he's a doctor and he was a good friend of mine. He stopped me one morning as I come into his house and he says, come here. He says, listen, just be confident in yourself and what you do and be confident that you can do it. Say that to yourself because Christ is living in you. And you know, it changes everything in me. I went back and after two hours, I realized this German didn't say a word. <laughs> And after a while, I begin to realize everything is going actually perfect here. And it's because of him pointing the finger continuously, looking at every little mistake that there is, laying the law on me. And because of the law being laid on me, I begin to lose confidence. I begin to lose confidence in myself and in confidence in what I can do. Are you guys still here with me? It's an illustration. I'm taking you somewhere here this morning. Amen. So listen to here in Hebrews. He said, therefore, brethren or brothers and sisters, having boldness, 
Say boldness. That means confidence. To enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us. Isn't that awesome? He consecrated that way. <laughs> not your good works. Not the, how amazing you are. He consecrated that way. Isn't that awesome? Into the presence of the Father. Then He say, through the veil which is His flesh. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 3, the Bible says, when Moses is read, the veil came on the heart. But through the veil which is his flesh, come on. The law of Moses condemns you. He point a finger at you telling you you are not good enough. Rob you of all confidence and boldness. Are you with me? That you don't know who you are anymore. But here comes Jesus. Die on the cross through his flesh. You go through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You took all my weaknesses, all my failures. Everything that the law points at me and say, you failed. Jesus say, I became that failure in your place. He's isn't that awesome? I become that person so that you can come into the presence of the Father without any form of condemnation, guilt, or a sin conscience. Isn't that beautiful, huh? So that you can draw life and draw grace so you have can strength in this life that we are living now. Oh, I love this gospel. Thank you, Jesus. And then he goes on and he says, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith. Now listen to this. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Listen beautiful here. This is so beautiful. He say, Your heart with full assurance in faith, having it sprinkled from an evil conscience. So evil here doesn't point to say, oh, look how bad is this guy. You are such an evil person. The word evil here in the Greek is poneros, meaning works, labors, toiling, frustrations, and annoyances. So he say, if your heart is free <laughs> of the idea that I have to work for God, that I have to live on a higher standard, that I have to get my ducks in a row, that I have to do certain things to get brownie points from God. If your heart is free of that, you will have assurance of faith. Isn't that true? That word evil is all over the Bible. I begin to study that word poneros. There's another one that is kakos in the Greek, which literally means you are just evil. You are like a person who do destructive stuff and stuff. But the word evil, did you know that Jesus said, deliver us from evil? He wasn't talking about the devil. He was talking, the word there is poneros. He said, deliver us from the idea of labors and toiling and frustrations and annoyances. That's a shocker. People didn't know that. If you don't believe me, Strong's Concordance, open it yourself. You will see. It's not difficult to find it. Did you know that even Paul say in Ephesians 6, talking about the war that we are in, he says, lift up the shield to prevent or to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. Poneros is that word, the one who wants to bring you back into labor and submit unto the law and bring you into frustration and annoyances. How many of you know that sometimes in your Christian walk, you just get frustrated and annoyed? Like, God, I wait for the promises to get fulfilled and it's not happening. That word is everywhere. Jesus says the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. That word evil is poneros. 
You know, I always ask the Father, what is wrong with human beings that they cannot grab onto the message of grace? It's so amazing. It's so freeing. It's so wonderful. And then the Lord showed me that verse and He says, a treasure means it's value. They have put value to their works and their toiling and their accomplishments in their Christian walk. So it's a value to them. Some people, you can't move them because they have prayed for like 40 days in fasting and prayer, and they have had some results. Now it become an idol to them if they put value to that. And they miss the grace of God because on the end of the day, it's by the way the grace of God to do that. It's not how we labor, it's how we rest. Your heart is not designed to have the idea. Listen, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as he think in his heart, so is he. That means he lived that way. Are you with me? So your heart is not designed to have the idea or the belief system that you have to perform or work or try to better your life by your own ability. Your heart is not designed for that. God never designed it that way. God designed it that it's a place of peace where He dwells. Amen? Thank you for enthusiasm. You may sit down now. You agree with me? Amen. Listen, let's go on here because, and then he said, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Ah, come on. Say he's faithful. He is faithful. The only thing that needs to happen is that your heart. See, many people don't understand the heart. They say, I give my heart to Jesus. No, you did not. You did not. He gave you his life. See, you need to understand that there is a distinction between heart and spirit. That's why he's saying, Ezekiel prophesy, and he's saying, I will give you a new spirit, and I will remove the heart of stone from you. Sorry, I'm laying a foundation here because I'm going somewhere. Say to the person next to you, he's going somewhere. We are not stuck at one place here, amen. So he removed the heart of stone, and he gave you a heart of flesh. That heart of stone represents the law. That's what happened. He came and he removed the law from you when you were born again. How many of you remember when you were born again, you were like, woohoo, it's amazing, huh? You were like, whoa. I remember when I was born again, I said, hey, look at the birds. It was as if I've never seen the birds for years. Look at the trees, look at the flowers, look at that little cricket. It was like I was blind for a long time. Everything opens up because we were drunk for a long time. You understand what I mean? <laughs> Some of you didn't get it, but suddenly we are sober. Whoa! Look, God's creation, it's so beautiful. So He removed it and He gives you a naked heart. In the Hebrew, it's actually, it means a heart of flesh. It refers to how Adam was before he fall. It refers to a heart that is innocent. But the problem is you go back to church. And after a while you realize, now you've got a heart of stone again. You are not sensitive to the voice of God anymore. See, that's the whole thing for me in this Christian walk. People have all kinds of doctrines. For me, it comes down to two things. He's loving in me, and I can hear His voice. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Oh man, I have to be careful because i got friends out there. They love me and I love them. And I don't want to break down on their stuff. So, they preach the truth, not me. Now, in Ephesians, Paul say, 
May He grant you out of the rich treasures of His glory, from verse 14, that you may be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit Himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. Now that's from the Amplified Bible. And then He say, so that Christ may dwell in your heart. Can you see the distinction here? Spirit and heart. Your spirit is sealed in the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Your heart, that's where Christ needs to dwell because that's where you think. As He thinks in His heart, so is He. You can go to all kinds of self-help seminars and all kinds of better your life seminars. On the end of the day, you're going to do what you believe in your heart. In the subconscious of man, you're going to do it. That's why you would see some people would say, I'm never going to do that again. How many of you have been there? That is people that don't know the grace of Jesus. They say, I'm never going to do that again. And then they end up in it again. Why is that? It's because as they think in their heart, it's in their subconscious. They repent. They cry before God. They say, I will never do that again, Jesus. But they have never come to the reality of Christ dwelling in their heart. It is two distinctions. God will always be in your spirit, even if your heart go wild, and if your heart go evil. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. He will always encourage. The Holy Spirit will always come with conviction, over and over and over, until your heart is filled with Christ again, and you walk in the newness of life. That's why he said to the Ephesians, as my brother have read here this morning, it's in the darkness of your own minds. But they were still, he says, put on the new man, which is created in true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying to them, put off the old man and put on the new man. They had the new man in them all the time. The problem was they just become darkened in the mind. So he said, put it off by the renewing of the mind. Are you guys with me? By the renewing in the spirit of the mind. I love that. Amen. So let's go on here. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Who is speaking to us today? Not the law. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. How many of you remember when Jesus was on the earth? Did he ever show a sinner away? Never. Did he ever condemn? Never. He loved all people. Those who come for healing, he healed them. Those who want provision, he provided for them. He was the exact representation of the Father. He says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. See, people have a wrong concept of Jesus. They go through the Bible and they begin analytically start to break stuff up concerning theology. I was there. They look at these teachings and they are completely confused. Can I tell you something? Jesus is love. God is love. If you can't see God through the glasses of love, you will always have a wrong concept of Him. I preach a sermon, I think, in Kentucky. I go to places and people have all kinds of war verses. I see them while I preach. I see how they get ready. Because I make statements and I can see they get ready. And they're going to come after the meeting, I know. <laughs> and they come with their counter verses. How many of you have experienced that? And the point is, see, you can know this Bible. But you maybe don't know God. See, I know a lot of people, I move in religious circles quite a lot. And a lot of them know verses that I don't even know. Where did he get that verse? I have once in a place say, okay, this is open for questions, answers, and a guy stood up with a verse. That <laughs> and he threw me flat down and I was like, okay, I'm not, not going to do that again. 
I didn't even know Jesus. Where did he get that verse? It was like, when was the last time when I was there? He really got me with that verse. But see, the thing is, the context, I went afterwards and I studied in context and I realized he took one little part of the context and he threw me off. Are you with me? They don't study the context. But you can know the Bible as much as you want. You will never know God if you don't really know His love. See, we are born from above. You've been born out of love. Amen? God is love. And there's no judgment in Him. And there's no condemnation in Him. And He loves you unconditionally. And if you can't read the Bible through that, that's why the Bible says in 1 John 4 that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. When is the day of judgment? That means that people begin to accuse you. Maybe you take it into an end time period. But my point that I want to make here this morning is the day of judgment can be any day. Because the day of judgment is the day when they come of accusation. The day of judgment can be when you read the Bible and there is hellfire and brimstone verses that come out of the Bible to you. But if you know the Father, the Bible says there's no fear in love, you will look at that verses and you will not have fear because you know who your Father is. Because as He is, so we are in this world. Let's go on here. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 1. And He say, today, if we hear His voice, Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 3, I've already mentioned it, but I want to read it to you this morning. That you can see where is He going with us in this book of Hebrews. He started off, we all say in chapter 11 is like the climax. Now, faith is the substance of the things hoped for. Man, I quote that verse when I was religious and I didn't even know what it means. I'm honest with you. The substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. I didn't even know what I was talking about. It was just a nice verse that I quote. Are you with me? But he start off here in chapter 1 and listen to what he said. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in past time to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. That means it's a father-son relationship right here in the beginning. He's going to go with these Hebrews now through rituals and He's going to go with them through all kinds of stuff and He's going to show Jesus is better and Jesus is better and Jesus is better and He's going to show the sacrifice and He's going to end up the climax of this thing in chapter 11. But He start off with sonship. I'm a son. You are a daughter in His house, in His family. See, He start off there. I never saw that. And I realized how important is relationship. You are in relationship. That's why I say with boldness. You can come into the Holy of Holies. And you can lay your head on daddy's chest. And you can hear his heartbeat. You can be consumed with love. Amen. Now let's go on here. Whom he has appointed as heir of all things. Through whom he also made the worlds. That is actually ages. Who being the brightness of his glory. That's important and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Father in majesty on high. That is a huge climax that He started off with in the first parts of this letter. Isn't that amazing? He's going to go into all kinds of things here. But He started off here by saying He's the exact representation 
of his glory. Hallelujah. You know what glory means? Because we want to take limitations from the heart. For the Jewish person to have a life that is limitless was to live in the promised land and have peace from all their enemies and experience the prosperity of God in that land. But here he comes now and he takes us into another direction and he actually say, you are now the land. You are the soil. Come on. If the blessing land on the rest on the promised land, they experience the fullness of God, isn't it? And here we are now. The Son of God has purged us from our sins. The Hebrew people could never experience that even though they had peace from their enemies, even though the land was prospering. There was always one thing really missing. Peace to the heart. Are you guys with me? That's why they would say shalom to one another. It's a very important thing for them. They could never experience it. And Jesus came and he preaches the gospel of peace. Now God is not going to be geographically limited to a land. God is going to come and live in you. And you're going to become the soil, the land that the blessing rests in. Come on, people. Because the Bible says we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. This clay pot that is made out of dust. Come on. Jesus said that the sower sows the seed and it falls on the soil. And then he said the seed is the word and the soil is the heart. Your whole being. See, people say to me, what is the heart? Doctors never find out what is the real word for heart called cardia, the thing that pumps the blood through you. Jesus came with that word, cardia. He came with that word. Spell it with a K, not a C. That's the right cardia word. Cardia is where your whole being, all your beliefs, all your emotions, everything come together in the center of man. It's the cardia. Car means the center and source of man. And dia is where you act from. You act where all your emotions and your beliefs come together in you as a human being. And you act from there. Come on. But if Christ lives in that soil, you become the promised land. Oh, come on, people. It's not geographically somewhere. He say in chapter 2, and this is where I want to bring your attention, this is so important. In verse 10 he say, For it is fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons and daughters to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Jesus, the captain of your salvation, he suffered for you so that you can experience the glory. Now, what is the meaning of glory? Glory means the view and opinion of God. So Jesus is the view and opinion of God. Hallelujah. That's glory. Amen. You look at Jesus, you see the Father. Guess what you see? You see no condemnation, no guilt, no accusation. It's only love. Hallelujah. Are you with me? And now he bring many sons and daughters to this glory. You are in that glory. You carry the view and opinion of God in this world. The church is going to awake in this world. And they're going to look at the church and going to say, whoa, God is among those people. And you know how they're going to see it? We're not going to accuse. We're not going to judge. We're not going to condemn. We're going to love just like the Father love. 
Isn't that awesome? Love you, Jesus. You change us. Man, I love sinners. How many of you love sinners? How many of you have sinner friends? Come on, be honest. I love to hang out with sinners. They surprise you. (laughs) I know a lot of them. They surprise you big time. Next moment, everything go holy and perfect. (laughs) The next moment, what, 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 what happened here? (laughs) It's amazing to look at them and know the Father loved them unconditionally, just like He loved us. Isn't that beautiful? Now listen to this. You want the limitations away from your heart? Do you? Okay, so only one or two of you, so I will preach to those guys. Listen to this. You remember that word that I use, evil? Now, Hebrews 3, verses 12, listen to this. Oh, he's still talking to these Hebrew people. Listen to what he say. Beware, brethren, let there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. That word evil is poneros, which means beware that your heart be established in works and toiling and frustrations and annoyances. That you don't have beliefs in you, I have to better myself. That you understand that Jesus has made you perfect. We're going to go to that word. Are you with me? Oh, say to the person next to you, it's coming. It's coming. Amen. Departing from the living God. Isn't that awesome? But exhort one another daily why it's called today. Say today. Let any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. I've already explained that word poineros. Jesus wants your heart to be absolutely free of the idea of I'm not good enough. If you walk around with the idea I'm not good enough, you are still influenced by the world system. You are influenced by the elementary principle of the world. You know what's the elementary principle of the world? The elementary principle of the world is if you are good, you are blessed. If you are bad, you are punished. It happened at the tree. From that moment on, that's why he toiled. He knew that his life can be better, but he got evil in him. So the only thought and the only thinking and the only mindset that he have is that I got to do it in my own ability to reach that point of goodness. That's the fallen man. That's Adam. And that's what the law does when they say, okay, Lord, you give us the law. Moses, whatever God say, we will do. Whoa. Huh? If you know my personality, if I was standing there, while they read the blessings, hallelujah, I would go along. The moment that they start over with that curses, I would stop the ceremony. And I would say to Moses, I don't know you. I don't know these people. I'm out of here because I know myself. Are you guys with me? Supposed to be a joke. (laughs) But but they submitted themselves to that covenant. And that law was not given for them to live up to that standard. That's why God, even in the midst of that, the Father gave them the sacrificial system in the tabernacle. Because they cannot live up to that standard. And then they come to the tabernacle with a lamp. And you know what is wonderful about this whole ceremony at the tabernacle? They bring a perfect lamp. And then the priest stand there and the priest wouldn't ask them, okay, what was your sins? My child, what is your sins? And you say, Father, I've killed a man, and I've done that, and I've done that. And they say to you, well, we're going to sacrifice this animal for the forgiveness of your sons. No, he don't even ask that question. He look at the lamp, and he see if the lamp is perfect. And if the lamp is perfect, they sacrifice the lamp for that person's sins. 
He didn't even care what it is. Come on, people. That was not important. What was important is the lamb perfect. That's why he gave them the sacrificial system, because they cannot obey the law. And the law, what did the law do? The law was hitting them and forcing them to the lamp. Are you guys with me? That's why the law is a tutor that brings us unto Christ. The law will force you somewhere in this whole thing. The elementary principle will force you to the sacrifice called Jesus Christ. That's why John the Baptist say when Jesus come on the scene, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Come on. Not of this geographical group of people in this country that is in this. No, he came and he took it away. The sin of the world. Isn't that beautiful? One offering by one lamb that was perfect. I love this gospel. Isn't that beautiful? Are you guys still with me? Listen to this. In Hebrews 10, we're going to get now into some good stuff. That's why he say in Hebrews 10, verse 1 to 2, he say this. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image. See, the law is just a shadow. Is not the very image. See, that's why the Bible say in John 1 verse 17 and 18, he say that no man have ever seen God. The Son of Man came to declare Him. You know what that means? If we look into the Old Covenant and we say, yeah, but Moses saw God. David saw God. Abraham saw God. The Bible said the God of glory appeared to Abraham. No, they only see fractions of God. They didn't see the full picture. They never had the idea of a father. The son of man come and declare him. You know what that means? The Hebrew says the son of man came and lead him out. So this means the son of man came and lead him out of the shadows and bring the image out. Come on, people. Are you still with me? The son of man, Jesus came, he declared him. He bring him out of the shadows because Moses just had the shadows. The people of the old covenant was just a shadow. It was not the very image. And here comes Jesus. He lead him out of the shadows. Say, here I am. Look at me. I'm the lamb. God become a man. God himself become the lamb. Isn't that beautiful? To deliver us from the things that hold us back. Let's read further on because we're going to hit the nerve here. He say, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. Can I tell you something? This scripture say that if we understand that Jesus offering purified us or if those animals have purified them they had no more conscience of sin isn't that awesome but they could not amen they could not why because they were not supposed to be perfected without us they could not because they were under the law system But in Hebrews, listen to this, I love this, in Hebrews 10, verses 5, he said, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but the body you have prepared for me. Can I tell you something? When this thing hit my heart, everything changed for me. Did you know that when Jesus came out of that grave, it was not a spirit? 
It's a man. He said to them, touch me for I am flesh and bone. Not flesh and blood, flesh and bone. He shed all his blood. It's a man that sat in the Trinity on the throne. Come on, people. Why is that important? Because never before was a man representing mankind in the Trinity. It's a man who sits there. I'm going somewhere with this. Why is it a man? Because if it was not a man, you had no reference for transformation. Because as he is, so we are in this world. Come on, people. You want to get victory over the flesh? There's a man. You identify with that man. And then you get victory. Come on. God said, I'm sick and tired of animals. I don't desire. He says, but therefore, I prepare a body for myself. Why? Come on. Because there's a man sitting in heaven that keep the covenant. We cannot keep the covenant. Did you know that you are not in covenant with God? Oh, that blow your mind away. Listen, before you run away, let me tell you. You cannot keep the covenant. It's impossible. We are in a testament. Jesus said, this is the new testament in my blood. All right, can I explain? Hebrews 9, verse 16 and 17 say, For where there is a testament, there must also be a necessity to be the death of a testator. For the testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. How many of you know that Jesus died? How many of you know that we share in His inheritance? You don't keep the covenant. He keeps the covenant for you. You share in the inheritance. He died. How many of you know that after someone died, nobody can change the will anymore? Nobody can change the testament anymore. Come on, people. He died. Nobody can change it anymore. You are in this new covenant. Isn't that beautiful? You share in the inheritance. That means you share in the blessing. You share in healing. You share in forgiveness. You share in everything that is victorious, that brings you into victory in this world in Christ Jesus. Oh, my. Many sons come to glory. (laughs) I love this. New covenant. It takes limitations away from the heart. It takes it away. Amen. See, under the old covenant, they need to keep that covenant. But in this new covenant, He keeps it. He said, this is the new covenant. Listen to what He said. This is the new covenant in my blood. Nothing in my blood. And He takes His blood into the Holy of Holies. Come on. And that blood speaks. You know what that blood says? That blood says, you are forgiven for eternity. I made a statement, man. Sometimes Christians, I love them. Sometimes I want to baptize them and keep them under. (laughs) Are you guys with me? I'm joking. I love all people. I made a statement on Facebook this week. And I says that the blood of Jesus have removed even the sins that you have not committed yet. That's a clanker for a religious person. So someone else loves it and take it on their page and post it and say, you know, this is awesome, this. But we have to say we are sorry for our sins and we have to confess our sins. And I thought to myself, sister, you are not free. God will never say, go confess your sins. Then you contradict what Jesus has done. Then he contradicts himself. God will always say, you're righteous. You just forgot who you are. Wake up. That's all that he would say. How many of you are in the house, grow up in a house where your mom and dad say to you, that's not who you are? 
A lot of us don't. People who are in grace, today, they say to their children, that's not who you are. It's not a matter of, you are so bad, and look what you've done. They just say, no, that's not who you are. Amen? Oh, God will never contradict Himself. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I love this gospel. Listen to this. Now we come to the reality. I'm going to make a statement before I go on. If you are free of sin, you are full of faith. I'm going to say it again. If you are free of sin, you are full of faith. Now some of you would say, Oh Peter, but I mess up, man. You think God don't know that? (laughs) Do you think God major on that? No. Because the blood of Jesus speaks for you. In God's eyes, you are perfect. Amen? If you are free of a sin conscience, it's not a matter of what you do. If you are free of a sin conscience, say sin conscience. To live under a sin conscience means you have an evil heart of unbelief. That means you have a heart that is programmed, I'm not good enough, I have to live up to the standard. Look what I have done again. The Bible says it departs you from God. But listen to what the Bible says here. It says that if the sacrifices purified them, they had no more sin conscience. How many of you agree with me that the sacrifice of Jesus have purified us for eternity? You have no more sin conscience. And if you can walk out of this place today and you say, I know that I don't have to be frustrated anymore in my heart. I don't have to be annoyed anymore. I don't have to work for anything anymore. I rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. My heart is full of peace. Can I tell you something? You begin to walk in faith like you've never walked in faith before. It's not a matter of what you can do or get your faith more. You already have all the faith in this world that you need. Because Jesus is living in you and He is your faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says that if Jesus is not risen from the dead, you are still in your sins. If Jesus is not risen from the dead, you have no faith. He says our faith is futile. That's what He's saying. But He's risen from the dead. A man, a body that represents you holy and perfect in the presence of God. And you are in covenant with Him, Jesus, that keeps the covenant for you. Come on. And you share in the testament. That means you have been made one with God through Jesus Christ, with the Father. You are inseparable from the Father. You are inseparable from His love. I don't care how dark your mind is this morning. And if you and your wife had a fight and you are depressed of what someone else have said yesterday, here's the reality. You are inseparable from Him just because you believe in Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Listen to this verse, Hebrews 10, verse 11 to 14. Listen to this. And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeated the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, oh, I love this man. For this man, say man. Man. See, it's not a spirit, it's a man. His spirit is dwelling in me, don't understand me wrong. But it's a man that sits there, a body, a glorified man who represents you. Oh, this man, listen to this, this man. After he had offered one sacrifice, say one. One. Not repeated sacrifices, one sacrifice. For sins forever. 
sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Now here comes the good part. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You know what it means to be perfected? It means you have no more sin conscience. You are not condemned. You're not guilty. You carry the image of Jesus Christ. You look like him. You have what he have. You can do what he can do. And you look like him. I am what he says I am. <laughs> That's what it means to be perfected. You are not a sinner anymore. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? See, people make big fuss of stuff. I always say to people, listen man, if you can just come to the conclusion that he has paid for sins, past, past, present, and future forever, and that you are not a sinner, this is when the awakening takes place in your innermost being. This is when you begin to hear his voice again. Unfortunately, we live in a world, we live in a religious world. We live in a world that functions on the elementary principle of the world, which is if you are good, you are blessed. If you are bad, you are punished. We live in this world. But the good news today is that you are God's world. You are God's land. <laughs> you are the earth that God's blessing is resting on. Isn't that beautiful? Not because of anything that you have done. Just because you believe that He took away your sins. Just because you believe that He is risen from the dead. Just because you believe that the two of you are one in spite of your mistakes. In spite of what other people say about you. Because you can't evaluate yourself according to what other people say. You can't evaluate yourself even what you say about yourself. <laughs> when it's negative. Are you guys with me? You evaluate yourself according to what Jesus Christ has done through the finished work. Come on, people. We want a move of the Holy Spirit. Then we just thank the Father this morning. The fact that Jesus, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world, that statement is so powerful because that reality made you one with the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? That reality. I don't care what people say about the church. The body of Christ is still the most powerful force on the earth. Because we are the body of Christ in the earth. Come on. He's our body in heaven representing us. Come on. And we are His body in the earth. We are the vessels that carry this earthen vessel, carry that treasure in the world. Amen. I thank the Father. That we are going into a day and an age, we are actually in it, where the church is so confident and so bold in who they are and who their father is. Come on. Isn't that awesome? See, that's the message of grace. That grace will never stop. That grace will never ever stop. That grace will be continuously upon your life. It's like Joseph Prince say. A waterfall of forgiveness is flowing over me all the time, continuously. Isn't that beautiful? Father, we just thank you this morning for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your loving kindness. We thank you this morning that we have been perfected by one offering. Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are the man in heaven, seated on the right hand of the Father. That we have a reference of transformation. As you are, so we are in this world this morning. And we give you glory, Father. We praise you for that, Father. 
We worship you just where you are. Just lift your hands if you want to and just thank Jesus. Just begin to thank Him for the fact that you are not a sinner anymore. That you are righteous. That He made you righteous. That He has perfected you. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you that we are one with you. We thank you that you made us one with the Father. We thank you that your Spirit is dwelling inside of us. And we praise you for that, Father. We praise you. And all God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen.